was just so thrilled to discover your videos. Your gift as a storyteller is so admirable. You always, if it, it occurs to me that, is it Mark Twain or whoever said, stories only happen to people who can tell them? And boy, that's you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 875, Storyteller Neil Ford. When I first saw Neil Ford's stories on Instagram, I was instantly captivated by his humor and wisdom, and not just because I thought, holy crap, is this the same Neil Ford I went to high school with? Turns out, he is the same Neil Ford I went to high school with, and not only does he have tens of thousands of followers on Instagram and YouTube, he has almost 400,000 followers on TikTok. His short videos are deceptively simple, and his stories are put together with such care, I was thrilled when he agreed to talk to me about how he's able to spot such stories in the wild. It's a funny thing, Austin, and you may have noticed this yourself. The Let's pretend you're a minor league baseball player, or you are a pretty good golfer, or so forth. You you see things that other people just don't see. Yeah. And um, I'm not a professional by any stretch, but what has happened is the more frequently you tell stories, the more you begin to look for them in life, realizing that any kind of minor moment could turn into something that was a pretty good narrative. And the what happened, truth to tell, the whole reason I was even going hard into stories was that my daughter never met my father. And it was such a it was such a sad thing for me because she reminds me so much of him. And, you know, it must be, how tragic is it that a, a grandparent never gets to meet the child that really does kind of take after them? So I thought to myself, you know, it would be fun to tell some of the stories about my dad so that years from now when I have pronounced dementia, you know, she'll be able to sort of know not only him, but her potential children would know me as well. And so my wife and I'll sit around and we'll reminisce about things in order to open the floodgates about like, oh yeah, I remember when your dad did this or, uh, and, and you know what you find out is that by and large, these are very sweet things that happen to one another. There are, yes, I'm sure that there were just awful moments. I just cho choose not to put those in the memory banks. And what I'm discovering again, uh, what I'm discovering at this age, it's kind of a shame it comes so late, but you know, youth is wasted on the young. But right. when when you get older, what you begin what you begin to realize is the universality of our experience. That rich or poor, Pakistani, Mexican, American, what have you, we're all human beings, and human beings don't change. And uh, when you tell these stories, what happens is people feel like they know you, and they're sort of surprised. They're surprised at how much in common they have with you, yeah. and. I would have had that reaction, except that now it's such a frequent thing for me to meet somebody from Minneapolis or Nashville, and you'll meet them under circumstances where they've said, hey, if you're ever in Terre Haute or Shreveport, I'd be happy to buy a cup of coffee. I've taken people up on this, and they're shocked. Like They're <laughs> they're shocked. They're like, what? Really? You're, you're coming out to Erie, Illinois? Yep. Be there on Saturday. And 
and I, I am determined not to pay for any more coffee for as long as I live. And <laughs> but what happens is that you you sit down and you just go. It's zero to sixty in zero seconds. And the next thing you know, you're talking about their grandchildren, and you're talking about you were really you were a Navy pilot. Well, I washed out. Blah blah blah. You know, and it's funny how fast you get to friends um, because they feel like they know you in character, if not detail. Well, and that curiosity is admirable. And I don't think I've ever had it. I'm not even sure I have it to the degree I should have it. But everybody loves the guy who says, tell me about you. (laughs) Right. You know? Right, right. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves. That's for sure. What's lovely, uh, well, one of the many things lovely about your stories is that this universality and the commonality of our experience rings so true as a theme throughout your stories. And I think you even made it explicit in one of the videos, which is that we're more alike than we seem. We're not as divided as the world would like to tell us, as the social media would like to tell us. And I think that's such an important thing to stress. It's Well, it's technically true. If you were to look at a bell curve distribution of political opinions, religious opinions, you know, and when I say religious opinions, what I mean is the ferventness of your devotion to a single, uh, you know, revealed truth. What happens is that on the bell curve, easily two-thirds of us are right packed into that middle section and you don't have to get very far before it's about 90 percent and then the fringes are off on either side and what uh what will happen to me that i think is incredibly encouraging is that i will find remarks in my comments of tiktok or instagram or youtube and back to back right next to each other will be somebody who goes you know like Texas red state bill says, I just love these stories. They're so fantastic. Here, my old man was just like that. Followed by granola eater 121 will will say pretty much the same thing. And, and you'll, you know, I just chuckle to myself and go, look, we, we all agree in the humanity of what that story I was just telling a very reassuring story about the fact that when push comes to shove, people are actually pretty cool to each other. And if you guys agree about that, my guess is if we were all sitting around in here and had to, were forced to live with each other for a week, we'd find out we're actually all pretty close in character. Yeah. That there's a kind of a, a strange commonality between someone who has a fervent political belief on the right and a fervent political belief on the left. It's that they're just very passionate people who believe in what they believe is right. Yeah. And so they actually have quite a lot in common in terms of their attitude. What they choose to view as correct is different, but that may have very much to do with where they were born and who they're hanging out with. And with enough exposure um, to a different kind of person, they might wind up leavening that view. All of which is just my way of saying, uh, Austin, which is I'm just reinforcing what you were saying before. We're not as far apart as we might seem. Algorithms are driving us apart in a kind of weaponized way. Um, They didn't start out. The news media, let me rephrase that, just just in general, media didn't start out with the intention of dividing us. It's it has evolved into something like that because people, you know, the rage machine is it gets you hooked and and that brings on the trolls and the bots and weaponized. Well, and it's and it's and it's it's easy to get siloed in your own bubble to mix two metaphors there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. 
And you say things because you're not enough around enough people to challenge what you're saying. Yeah, or that, yeah, exactly. You, There is a kind of fragility, you know, when somebody is uh, is really loud about mm-hmm. something. Yeah. You, I start to recognize how insecure they are. One of the things I love about your stories is not just the content, it's it's the production values. They're so clean, they're so precise. And I remember you from high school being largely a cartoonist. Yeah. Has that helped in your how to still, visual still and there it. you are. <laughs> how to visualize yourself on on camera? No, that's a that's a good guess, but no, I don't think one has much of a connection to the other. I, I spent a long time in advertising. I was in advertising business for 30 years. And what happens, of course, is that you're you're always always thinking in terms of, all right, how do I get across the the unique selling proposition here? How can I boil this, distill this down into a single thought and theme? And there's a kind of an irony about why I've chosen this black background. And that is that the the void behind me tends to bring forth in the viewer their own imaginings about where you are and when if you can remove things until it is just the abyss then they project a certain amount of professionalism onto it mm-hmm. the, the the second reason i really enjoy the black screen behind me is there's nothing else to look at which means you kind of have to be involved in this story and uh, i i'm i have to communicate it exclusively with facial expressions or or tone of voice and so on. So it enforces on you, the deliverer enforces a kind of discipline of thinking, okay, I've got to cut out the fat. And I don't know, Austin, you're probably accustomed very much of watching videos and you just want to bite a radiator when somebody says, hi, how's it going? Yeah, like you could have edited that out, you jackhole. Come on, let's get to it. Let's go. Why are you telling me this story? Oh, please God, I hope this is not a long driveway and a small house. You know, I want to get, let's get to it. And people that don't edit their videos to be sort of snappy or at least cut down their content to be low fat, it's, you're just not, you're not respecting the audience enough. They're they're busy people. Oh, one last thing, this for the benefit of your listeners. And that is that I have discovered it's the audio that determines what the quality is in the perceived in the, the perception of the viewer. You can have a very skanky picture, but if the audio is really good, they go with it. And the opposite is is not true. If you have a magnificent picture but crap audio, something's they they sense something ain't right with the production mm. quality. And That's they don't very give you interesting. Time. So it's not just the bright, colorful, dandyish pocket square that you frequently no. have. No, although that that as you would guess, I mean that's a that's a signature now that I kind of am forced, I'm forced to continue. Well, well, and it's a great contrast to your, I, I don't want to say avuncular because that uh, uh, means uh, implies age. I'll, I'll take avuncular. That's a, no, it all works. <laughs> this is Christopher Moore, the author of Fool and the Serpent of Venice, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? 
This fall of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of Comedy Abridged and the Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged all around the country. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with storyteller Neil Ford. And this is the other thing I admire so much about your stories, because they seem memor they seem memorized or they seem effortlessly off the cuff. Yeah. 30 takes later, okay. as you would know only too well. Yeah. yeah. It's a slog, Austin. That's why I don't do more than one a day, because it takes me a long time. But that's incredible that you 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 put that much effort into it. I think that's so admirable, and uh, I'm sort of jealous. And I a part, part of me is jealous, and part of me goes, "Oh, thank God, that's not me." Yeah, yeah. Well, you you know, come on, you know, you can't walk out on those boards, yeah, without doing a lot of work. Yeah. And it's not about respecting the audience; it really is about self-respect. It's like yeah. I'm just not going to put my name on it if it's crap, and so. Speaking of getting on the boards, I remember you being in Music Man oh, in no. high school. But you yeah. did we get you on the boards for anything else then? No. Um, no. My Music Man was traumatic because <laughs> I had I had developed laryngitis just before game day. Yeah. And and um when uh, and, and I can't what was the name of the gal that was the uh the drama? director? director yeah. uh, uh for music man it was the improbably named betsy bell ringer oh dang okay well at any rate i went up there like this you know the day before i said i can't i can't say my lines and she looked you know I mean, you guys know and the show must go on right so she was just saying i'm sorry but you're going on there that's all there is to it and i I want you to picture that moment you you may not remember but i remember it as one of the most seared memories in my memory bank is that in the very first musical number in that play yeah the salesmen are on the train cash for the whatever the, the merchandise and, and my line was look what do you talk what do you talk okay that was my line and it came out very much like an 11 or 12 year old whose voice was changing and i had to do that over and over and over again to the uproarious entertainment of the audience who so yeah, so you weren't going to get me near a production uh, after that. However, an uncle of mine, when I went to college, you know, he said, so how are you going? How's it going with the girls? You know, you're making any headway? And I said, no, Uncle Joe, I'm not making any headway. He goes, do yourself a favor, write a play. And I go, what? And he goes, I'm not going to say another word. Write a play. Your life will change. And I did, and it did. And uh, yeah, exactly. Your expression says it all. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to consider the sociosexual benefits of being a playwright. It was people recognized that a certain amount of effort went into this, yeah. and a certain amount of creativity and initiative, and all of those things are kind of you know catnip. Mm. Um, they don't. Re people don't realize why that that they are responding subsonically. That they're they're responding out of signals that they don't even know they're receiving. Is this online storytelling a pivot for you, a culmination? Yeah. How how did you get into trying to – why did you start doing this? Uh, I was in the events – uh, after advertising for so many years, I had gone into – I went to work for TiVo in their, uh, as their head of creative marketing. 
And in the process of doing that, I got kind of connected to tech and uh, I wound up in a partnership working with uh, three other partners where we would supply technical talent to Silicon Valley, sometimes offshore, sometimes onshore. But, you know, you know, what'll happen. Um, a company like a Meta or, or, you know, Flex, they'll slough off uh, a number of workers and then they'll re realize, oh, we can't get this project done because we don't have enough bench strength. So they'll reach out to companies like ours and we would supply the technical talent for a markup. And as we were a startup, we couldn't, we didn't really have a marketing budget to save our lives. So I thought, well, but I've got a black chalk, you know, black wall and, and I'm going to do some funny videos on LinkedIn. And what happened was that the videos became sort of the, my favorite part of the job. Like if, if, if I could do any part of the job, that's the only part I would do. And like a lot of things that happen to you that way, you just sort of neglect the other things that you're supposed to be doing in favor of that yeah. thing. And happily it led to um, a lot of business, but it, it led to a lot of offers for speaking engagements and, and my favorite thing in the world, which is um, coat uh, executives, C-level executives will reach out and ask for coaching on storytelling because they really do recognize that there's a lot more to leadership than just telling people what to do. And it's, it's so much easier when people get excited yeah. over what you're trying to accomplish and where you're trying to get them. And I've had very good experiences with that, you know, really encouraging um, experiences with a people that are motivated students are excellent students. Yeah. Like they're, they really pick it up fast. Yeah. And what's more, they see the value in it right away and then they don't argue over what it costs. I think it's great that you were you were traumatized as a senior in high school, and yet you are now on the boards every day uh, uh, in front of a camera for our social media delight. Uh, uh, congratulations, because it's just great. As such as it is. Yeah, it is. It's a gas. It, I'll, I'll say this. You know, I, I don't dread going to work. I, uh, I look forward to it. And it's kind of a hoot to, um, to really act, honestly feel like you're benefiting people. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. You can find the delightful stories of Neil Ford on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or by visiting his website at neilford.com. And both Neil and Ford have A's in them. He might be doing some touring and making personal appearances this fall of 23, so you can find out more information about that at his website, neilford.com. Then send us your humorous wisdom via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. Thanks as always to clown raconteur Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Kesha Morrison. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to novelist Christopher Moore, not a bad storyteller in his own right. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 875 2625ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. It's great to see you again because I, our mothers were such good friends. And uh, we never get to hang out that much, you and me. So this no, is no, I, yeah, we ran in different circles. 
Yeah, this is this is fun. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.